Welcome to the House of Strauss. Yeah, go for it. Stars hang with stars, winners hang with winners. Welcome to the House of Strauss. We are joined by friend of the pod, co-panelist, co-host of First Things First, Nick Wright. And you just you just got off got off stage, basically, man. Just I got mean, off the how- air. Yeah, uh, just got off, just just finished the show. We're recording this on a Tuesday. The last few days, our show's timing's been a little adjusted because there was either live playoff baseball or live UEFA soccer on FS1. So today the show, instead of being regular 90 minutes, just a half hour, and we did it an hour earlier than usual. But yeah, just finished, still in the office, talking to one of the most interesting people in sports media, which is barely even like, like you're more, more one of the more interesting people in media that occasionally what? talks sports. <laughs> like th- there's not, a, the, the, I was, I was so pleasantly surprised when I got in my sub Substack inbox that you had written a column, and I was like, you know, this column is a sports column. It was a Brock Purdy <laughs> column. I was a little surprised, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm so glad you read that column. I still have that part of me. I'm not too good for sports. I, I mean, I love what you guys do. I am an addict uh, when it comes to Mahomes Mountain. I, I look forward. I look forward to who's going to slip and who's going to ascend among the quarterbacks. And even if, even if you aggravate me, as I'm sure that I aggravated you with my Purdy take, I still want to hear what you have to say. Well, I appreciate that. You, you know, you are. It would appear one of our more loyal viewers and have been for a while. And so I do greatly appreciate that. Um, today, yes, today we did do Mahomes Mountain. Uh, to sh- what should be to the shock of no one, Patrick Mahomes is still atop it. It is named after mm-hmm. him. Um, but yeah, a lot of moving. There was not a lot of good quarterback play in the NFL this week. And the one college player on Mahomes Mountain, Caleb Williams, had the first bad game he's had since his senior year of high school. So a lot of guys slipping, not that many guys rising. But yeah, that's what we did on our 30-minute. <laughs> that The th- funny thing about today's TV show was it was a 30-minute show, and I got finished and I was like man we just got started and 30 minute shows is like the the godfather of all of our shows is PTI and that's always been 30 minutes like 30 minutes once Mm -hmm. upon a time was the standard and then you know shows got longer and longer and longer first takes two hours undisputed two and a half first things first when it launched when it was on in the mornings used to be a three-hour television show Colin obviously does a three-hour show um but it but he but his is like because it's the radio simulcast it's a little different but yeah so we i mean doing a 30 minute show felt like vacation i couldn't believe i got paid for today yeah so are you energized right now uh versus what happens at the conclusion of one of your regular shows uh i only because i'm doing this like no matter Mm. how long the show is i when i'm like get when i it doesn't matter like how I don't think how long something is or how many like media things I'm doing for the day. Once I'm done, I know I'm done with everything for the day. I kind of just like power down uh, Mm. mentally, which is actually, I think probably kind of a pain in the ass for my wife at times, because it's like when I'm finally have some time not to work, is, you know, totally understandably when she would like, you know what I mean, us to be interacting or talking about our day, whatever it is. And that is like, I've kind of had to train myself like that is that's totally reasonable by her. It's also when like my brain is trying to kind of reset a bit. Um, but like right now, I've even if I had done the full show, I think I'd have sounded the same mm. right now talking to you because I'm still you know, I'm still, I don't know, creating content. I don't know what to say it without sounding like a jackass. Um, I think I go through the same thing, by the way, uh, just podcasting. It's one of the reasons why I'm talking to you from an office space that I've rented out. It's because that compartmentalization 
it's not obvious. And when you're around your loved ones and you've stopped doing your thing and you're powering down, it is annoying for them to have you present. It yep. seems like you're there, but you're not you're not totally there. And so that is something I definitely go through myself. I'm down to talk some Purdy. I don't necessarily want to argue Purdy, though we might. That might happen. We can talk um, about whatever you want. This is your podcast. Yeah, I, the, the, we, we, I just I I realized the last time I was on here. Mm. I kind of steered the conversation, and I don't want to do that this time. So I am oh. coming on here with no agenda to talk about whatever you want. I'm just going to follow your lead. <laughs> That's too bad because I actually like it when you steer the conversation <laughs> as well, and I, I get surprised. Um, well, okay, so I, even though I'm in just rabid disagreement with your perspective on one Brock Purdy, uh, I believe you said that you would rank him 18th. I'm not sure where you got him now. Um, I'm not sure when you said it, that relative. It feels to, about right. Yeah, yeah. I, I would put him more in the top 10. Uh, that's a sports argument. It's fine. But I was fascinated with your tactic of argument. And I felt as though I could almost learn something from that. And people listening could learn something from that. Just as an argumentative tactic because you identified something in your opponent and I'll you know I'll try to kind of explain how these arguments sure. would go when debating Brock Purdy where you would stake out your position it's more one where he is 18th and your interlocutor would stake out a position where he's better but everybody considering how his productivity and statistics were far ahead of expectations had that doubt that it was real so and maybe this, you know, has a little to do with how you're a poker guy and you like playing high level poker. You would attack that doubt, Nick. And I found that so interesting because you would try to put a man to a decision, as Doyle Brunson would say, and say, well, the statistics say he's number one. Why don't you think he's well, number one? Right. So this was kind. this was a I don't want to call it an argument trick, but a argument strategy that I one of my favorite radio shows ever is a local radio show in Kansas City that's on a rock radio station called the Church of Laszlo. And it's kind of the, the style of like one of those wacky morning shows, except it's on in the afternoons. Um, and it's been on for, God, at this point, I think 23 years, 22 years. And I used to, when I worked there, be their everyday sports guy. And I'm still occasionally their sports guy. I call into it. Um, and Laszlo is an uh, strident anti-Second Amendment guy and just thinks basically the Supreme Court got it wrong, thinks there should be massive gun control. And 20 years ago, he debated a local either Kansas or Missouri politician and brought him on the air and said, OK, here's my question for you. Do you think that the average citizen should be able to have tactical nuclear weapons, Harrier jets, uh, fully, you know what I mean, anti-aircraft missiles, all you know, all these things. And with the assumption being the guy was going to say, no, of course not. And he would then say, okay, then we agree. Because the second of it, like, so I'm not trying to have a gun control argument, just let me yeah, build yeah. this bridge. Yeah. If the argument is the Second Amendment exists to protect us from an oppressive government, well, these are the things the government has. So as, as soon as you are agreeing, there is a limit. We actually are in agreement. It's just a question of degree. You set the line at, uh, you, know, uh, you know, past nuclear weapons, past anti-aircraft missiles to tanks. I set the line at anything that's not, it wasn't available in the, you know, 1700s, but it's just a matter of degree. And what he would say is take the argument to its furthest logical conclusion and see who can stand on it. And I found that to be incredibly useful and easy for people to understand. So when it came to the Purdy thing, the point I would make is the guy literally has the best stats of any player ever through a dozen games. Prior to this weekend, he's literally never lost. Yet you are saying he's not you, uh, Ethan, but Bruce Hart or yeah. whomever, the generic you, you are saying he's probably around 10th. Then we actually agree. We agree that the numbers and the stats and the production 
is a cause of something outside of himself. We just disagree on how much of it. And I, A, I think I'm correct, but also just, you know, not to reveal the tricks of the trade, if you will. But (laughs) now, all of a sudden, the argument is being had on my terms. Because if the argument, like, whenever I do these things, I try to figure out the holes I would poke in my own argument and how I would attack, you know what I mean, myself here and have those responses ready. And so I think that is is a very easy rebuttal to me on a lot of the Purdy stuff Woods is, and I'm really surprised more people haven't done it, but is the, the response should be, well, then you're saying there is nothing he could do. That if if Mm. the best stats ever and the undefeated record is not enough to move you, then up to this point in his career, because of his measurables, because of where he was drafted, because of these things, you are just unmovable. Like, that's how I would respond to myself uh, if I were arguing myself. But I and so, yeah, I I I I, I think that answers the point you were getting at. Um and the, the, whether or not there are, you know, the, the, like there, there is a real strategy to how I try to talk about this stuff on television. It meshes really well with Chris Broussard, too, because I think what some sports debate shows they get in trouble with is that it's almost too extreme an argument where you would put somebody Correct. to that decision and you would command them, okay, well then say he's as good as his stats and he's the best player and your interlocutor might go, well, yeah, he's Joe Montana. He's the greatest player. And you know what's so fucking feel funny about that, Ethan? That is exactly what happened to my buddy Laszlo in the debate with the politician. <laughs> he, the guy said, you know what? You're right. People should be able to go to the Overland Park Convention Center and buy suitcase nukes. And my pal was like, all right, well then you've checkmated me. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you, at least you're intellectually consistent. Um, well, so that and that's what you're saying about Brew. It, the reason Brew is the perfect partner is that and a million other things. I mean, I am so incredibly lucky to have Wilds and Brew as the team. And then, like, if people watch the show... It's the three of us and then Eric Mangini and Greg Jennings kind of rotate in during football season. And they're awesome as well. Two of my favorite people I've ever worked with. But the thing is this, like Mangini and Jennings get the benefit of after working with me for five straight days, they get a week off and then they Mm -hmm. come back to it. And I can be an exhausting person to work with. I think like I, I'm good natured. I, you know, I, 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 I think I treat people incredibly well. Like I, I don't mean in like a bad workplace thing, but I am strident. Some would say at times obnoxious and <laughs> I am what my, I think my single biggest skill in the world is arguing. Like, I think I'm, I think I'm as, this is going to be so seeped in arrogance. I don't mean it to, but it's true. I think I'm as good at debating a point as any of the top litigators in the world. I I think it is the thing I am the best in the world at. And so you add all those things together and it can be, you're, you're talking to someone 10 hours a week or seven and a half hours a week at this point, five days, you know, every week, very, not a lot of days off. It can grate on people. It can be tough. And Brew and Wilds have such great dispositions. They're such great people to work with. And it is where our show, the reason our show right now is succeeding is because we have found this very fine line to straddle of taking the sports super seriously and not taking ourselves seriously at all. Like you've yeah. got it. You've got to, people are tuning in because they love sports. So if you treat it like it doesn't matter, you're disrespecting the audience, in my opinion. But sometimes you can treat, you can, that can blur the line of like, 
are we screaming at each other, <laughs> angry with each other? Because I think the Cowboys are going to go 12 and five and you think they're going to go 10 and seven. Like, are we like legit mad with each other now? And that's a hard thing. Like it's, and so like, you know, brew is brew is great at it, it at really all of the stuff we need to do. And so the, that that's why, in my opinion, our show works is people we can, it feels like a good hang to people with some actual real information and substance at the like Mahomes Mountain. We have fake snow and we have wind <laughs> blowing and there's a lot of silliness. But I put a ton of thought into those weekly rankings. You know what I mean? Like there's real thought and there's logic to all of it. Yeah, you guys have the best chemistry of any sports show right now. And I think it is resonating. And it's for those reasons that everybody seems to go home friends, even if it's a, even if it's a vigorous debate. Now, you said you could be obnoxious. I, I would say, okay, so here's, here's a, an analogy. I'm going to make a, an analogy and I'm going to go the opposite way with the analogy. So just stick with me on sure. this one. I remember when the Warriors traded Monte Ellis... There were a lot of people who had not really watched the Warriors because they weren't the Warriors back then. They were barely yep. on TV and they knew him to be an exciting player and they expressed condolences that Warriors fans would not get to watch this guy anymore. And I would think, no, he is somebody that you would like if you saw a highlight of him, but the, cumul uh, the cumulative effect of him is not enjoyable watching him dribble the ball all the time at the top of the key, you know, hunting that mid range shot. You would not like him. You you're almost like the opposite is, is what I feel like where oh. people will see a clip of you saying something about their team. I, I think that's right. And they'll, they'll hate you. And that's what they know of you. Sometimes they're yep. one of the very few people who I would even talk to about why people hate them. Most people get uncomfortable. You seem no, to be no, no. pretty this comfortable. This is exactly right. It. Um, whereas if you watch you regularly, it's different somehow. It's, it's, it's a performance. It's fun. I can't remember what it was in reaction to, but there's this moment on the show where something happened. It might've been a Josh Allen game. And you said, I'm going to do something I almost never do and make this about myself. And there were yeah. just belly laughs yeah. from everybody. You could hear the cameraman laughing yeah. and there's this. I think there's this aspect of self-awareness that comes through and tongue in cheek that comes through in the overall product. Well, that when you get a snippet, it's the opposite. So I think it's very, I, I, so here's the other, so you, a, you're a hundred percent correct that I am, I come, I am. My approval rating is vastly different depending on how you consume the content I produce. You know what I mean? Like if it's just, yeah. if you're someone that the, almost all the sports talk content you consume is via social media, I probably, well, here's what you know about Nick. This fucking guy loves LeBron James, loves Patrick Mahomes. Everyone else sucks. And you know what I mean? And he's never been wrong. And there is like, not everyone else sucks, but there is a kernel of truth in all of those things. But if you consume the show, it's very different. And here is, so, but here is what, I mean, there's obvious reasons for that. What will get shared and go viral on social are things that cut through, you know what I mean? Very, you know, kind yeah. of the most strident opinions, but that's not the bulk of the show. I happen to believe, because our show does not do great on social media. Hmm. But like, I, I think, I think maybe I'm wrong. It does great on YouTube where it has like the full segments, but the, yeah. so, but here's what I find interesting about that. I think that a mistake and maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe that oh, this won't be a mistake because this is where the world's going. And maybe eventually this is where all the money will be. I don't know. I think a mistake that I know I made for a long time, um, and I, I see a lot of people make, is I watch and I'm like, you're not doing the show for the TV show. 
You are doing it for the 90-minute clip that will crush on the internet. But it's not part of an ecosystem within the show. It's not even necessarily part and parcel to the conversation that's being had. It is. Not, it gives whomever you're with no you know, no resp- response area, whatever it is. They're two different things. So, like, the, the show that has been, even though no, everyone writes about sports TV ratings about every show there is, except for the one that has been the most successful forever, pardon the interruption, it crushes every show in ratings and has forever. That show, you ever, you see clips out on social? I don't even, never. never. And now, A, I don't think they've, you know, actively sought out that, you know, that space, but it's also that, that, that show is being produced for people who are watching it. And then, now you can watch it on YouTube, you can watch it on an app, all those things, but they're to watch the show. And I am I am really happy that I am now do, doing a show that is for the best show and it was a failure of mine. And I uh, I, I don't I've never I don't even know if, think I've ever talked about this, but I've known it internally that mm. That once upon a time, particularly like maybe early in the pandemic, when we were sports were back, so it's not when there was, it was just like, hey, let's break down episode four of the Last Dance. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but when they're actual sports, but we were in boxes. The show was didn't have the exact cast as now was in flux. I look back and I was like, I wasn't every day necessarily trying to do the best TV show possible. I was every day like, all right, how can I do, like, how can I have at least one moment that will cut through? You know what I mean? That will cut through and that will, whatever it is. And that was a mistake. Like that was, I believe, flatly a mistake. And I think I wasn't doing right by the everyone that works on the TV show. I became a selfish endeavor. And sometimes... I see things on Twitter or I'm watching a show and I see things and I'm like, this was done for the clip. This wasn't done for any purpose other than this will do well on the internet. And I'm not saying there's not a, sp- a place for that, but I feel like that for some people has become the entirety of what they create is like, I'm going to have a thing that gets 6,000 retweets that, is not necessarily, and it's usually one of, you know, there's a few things we all know that will be shared wildly. Um, and it's just, I, I'm really like, I'm glad I'm not glad. I obviously wish the show crushed in every aspect there is, but the fact that I think we do worse on social than four years ago, and we do better by, you know, multiple standard deviations in actual ratings, I think means like we get it. And like that, mm. I'm very, very proud of. I'm very in like it was it took evolution. And I also, by the way, bear my soul for a moment. I'm very grateful to FS1 that I was given the real estate to learn and grow and figure it out. I mean, I've been doing the show for over six years now, and there were multiple times that by the standard re- metric of how's it rating, it was not a successful endeavor. And yeah. like there were, we had highs and lows or whatever. And the fact that they, you know what I mean, stuck with me and that it, it kept going. And now like and, and now we're in a very, you know, good place. I I think that. It has worked out that way. They've trusted you to do a show uh, without, you know, being headlined by former athletes, which is unusual in that particular industry. And it works. I'm curious when you mentioned trying to do it for Twitter, it might be hard for you to call up an example. um, But do you have an example of when you were doing it wrong? Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I like a specific I don't know if I have like a specific take, right? Um, But I, so there's the, there's like the, 
I mean, this is not your answer, but I hope my brain will get there while it, while I do it this way. <laughs> there is the the perfect storm is there's a clip that to this day is still what like about once every three months one of my uh, college age daughter, not one of my college age daughters, one of her. I have one college age daughter. One of her friends will send her that gets re-aggregated on TikTok and she'll send it to me because she thinks it's funny that they're sending it to her. And it's mm. the it's the the what the media doesn't want you to know about Michael Jordan. And I did mm. I did I did a thing where it was I said the idea behind it was it was like a political hit piece, but it was on mm. Michael Jordan. And it was these facts that are un, that are true facts, but never get brought up. That was threading the needle. That was something that when I put it together, I was like, this will be great for TV and this will crush on the internet. Mm. It will crush. And I was, I think I was right on both accounts where I think I have, where I think I did not do a good job of it would be if, if we were all so, like, let's say to, to, I'll give an example, not of one that I did, but I'm sure there's I could have done this or did something like this in the past. Let's say today we were doing Cowboys Chargers and mm. I was in the mindset of, man, I, I want a clip that is going to either either do great numbers on social or at least the people that I care about the most are going to amplify it on social. Mm. I might when it was my turn to talk about the Chargers do two minutes on how, oh, when Brandon Staley's going for it on fourth down works, nobody says a mumbling word, like because they got a touchdown on it last night. Yet, you know, the three instances, they haven't, that it hasn't worked. We spent all this time talking about it. When it does work, we ignore it. This is why the analytics conversation is always going to be an unfair one, because we only talk about the times when aggressiveness fails rather than when passivity fails or aggressiveness succeeds. Like it's the matrix doesn't align there. That would, that is to me, to me, a, interesting, B, correct, and C, I think would do well at least amongst certain people and maybe amongst everyone. But I am certain none of my colleagues would that I'm doing the TV show with are trying to have that yeah. conversation right now. And so if I did that, it's like a selfish thing. It's like, okay, are we now talking about that or are we just moving on? So I yeah. know I did things like that in the past where it was like, this will Get my opinion out there. I think I can do it right, blah, blah, blah. But it's not within the context of like, if everyone's like, hey, we're talking about Justin Herbert for our six minutes on the Chargers, and you just did kind of a two-minute meta, <laughs> should broadcasts have an analytics expert like they have a refereeing <laughs> expert thing? That's not really fair to the group. So that's I, I wish I could give you a specific example of a take no, I did, but that, I hope that explains it. That's a good that's a good example because it is this look how smart I am, look how everybody is a hypocrite or stupid, but it doesn't it doesn't build the segment. What's more interesting is Justin Herbert, why is he career five hundred? Yes. You know, obviously he's good. Why is he not ascending higher? And for whatever reason, quarterbacks this time of year seem to just drive sports talk. Um, yep. I, I also just think it's it's a very well-produced show. I've got an appreciation for the pioneering production of PTI, the genius side scroll with the yeah. timer, which is yeah. one of these things where once it's here, you see it everywhere, and it's like it always existed, it's like but somebody had to first come down up with it. Yeah. yeah, it's like you, yeah. you you see games before it, and you're like, really? We lived like that? It's exactly yeah. <laughs> No, Eric Rydholm and the PTI folks, yeah. they, they, they invented the genre in a lot of ways, and if they didn't invent it, they at least perfected it. There's no question yes. there, but go ahead, sorry. And, and no, yeah, and I like personality-driven production innovations. I always think about inside the NBA, when they brought on Shaq, people forget it was shaky at the beginning. Yeah. It was not And people seamless. were pissed. People yeah. were pissed because people were like, this is perfect. Why are yeah. you, why are you changing it? A, absolutely right. And one of the reasons I think it turned around is that somebody looked at what Shaq is 
looked at what Shaq does and went, okay, well, Shaq is, he's hilarious, but he's kind of a middle school bully. Let's give him this segment called Shaq and a Fool where he just gets to make fun of guys doing stupid bloopers and slipping and falling. And boom, right there, that just gave Shaq something to do. And it was this beachhead into the rest of the show. And then that show was off and running and even better than it was before. I I just look at some of the segments as very smart. The way Mangini is used on your show, at the end of a Mahomes Mountain, for instance, to be kind of this this disappointed dad, Nick, who's a little mad at you because maybe you uh, you (laughs) dented the fender. And it gives this good interplay where he can give his critical as a guy who's been in football, who has that station and he can sort of give his pushback. I think you guys come up with really good um, setups. Okay. So if I, so a few things on that and then make sure I get back to the Mangini part of it. If I forget one is that Kevin Wilds, who, I've talked about, did you work with him at ESPN? I've, I'm not, I've never, I would love to meet him. I've never met him. Okay. Well, um, I, well, a, if you're ever in, or not ever, but the next time you're in New York, let me know <laughs> you should come to a show. Uh, but sure. Wilds, you know, Wilds used to produce the jump. Wilds has created TV shows. Wilds was, um, Wilds was behind the scenes forever until he did this. And when he came on the show, he correctly identified he was like, this show, the like, it's not the fact that all of the most successful shows do certain things does not mean like it's dumb or it's lazy or cliche. It means it's what works. Like the fact that, you know, uh, I give him a hard time because he interned at Letterman and he brings that up a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that much, but um, but he but he would be like the top 10 list. Everyone knew it was coming. He was like, our show needs benchmarks. And to where it's like, you know, Mahomes Mountain is coming. You know, we're going to get Wilds, Weird and Wonderful. You know, we're going to get the committee's tears, the, the bud list, those things. That was, we used to do, except for Weird and Wonderful, a version of that all the time. But there was no regularity. It was like, hey, let's do this. He correctly identified, we need to do that and just build it and create the repetition of it. So that was, I mean, great by him. Also... The people that actually produced the show and put it together, a uh, few of them have been there from the f- day one of the show. And Dusty, who we call out on the air a lot, Hubs, who is the most like critical day-to-day person I've ever worked with, and Keto, who runs the whole show, they've been a you know they put in all the effort to the elements and everything. And a guy who I think is one of the most important pieces of the show. And I know so little about television, despite being in it for seven years now. I didn't get it until I until this iteration of First Things First is this guy named Rick, who's the director, who, again, I I didn't know this until 18 months ago, uh, even though I'd been doing TV. The director is the person who is like, take this camera, take this shot, Mm. whatever it is. And one of the things, one of the reasons people know we have good relationships is because we are constantly doing cutaway shots to person who's not talking, but who is laughing or furrowing their brow or doing whatever it is. So that's Rick. So that's all. That's what inside inside the NBA has an amazing on-air cast. And then it's just got to be the best produced. You know what I mean? It's produced so well and it all comes together. The Mangini thing, here is a true story. I hope he doesn't mind me telling this publicly, but too late. So Mangini, because at his heart, he's a coach. And, you know, it was, and so he also wants coaching. And so like a year ago, he and I were watching a Thursday night football game. And I told him, I was like, hey, man, I, it maybe it was nine months ago, whenever it was. I told him, I was like, hey, we just had, I, you know, I think our highest rated show ever and you were on it. And like, I think you've been great, just great since we've been back in studio specifically. And because it's his nature, he was like, well, thank you. You know, he's like, how can I be better? How can I be better? And I'm like, well, since you're asking, I was like, the only thing that I think you could like that I would say to work on is I was like, you're never going to have like the hot take. It's not who you are. 
And you're also never really going to attack anybody. It's not who you are. Any of the athletes or the coaches, it's just not who you are. It's like, but occasionally, because you do it so rarely, if you were to do it, it'll make people sit up and take notice. I was like, but you're not going to do that about anyone we're talking about. I was like, so do it to me. I was like, have sharper elbows when it comes to me. Like you and I have a great relationship. We're great friends. I'll never be bothered by it. So, you know what I mean? If you kind of disagree with me, feel free to make it clear how, you know, how crazy you think I am. And God damn it, if he doesn't take coaching well. And the funny part of the story <laughs> is like the, like two days after I gave him that note, we're on the air. And he crushes a point I made, and I temporarily got super pissed. I was like, "What?" It, I was like, "I was like, what? What is happening?" I was like, "This isn't. You're just crushing me right now." And I, and then I remembered. I'm like, "Oh shit! You 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 told him he should do this." So like, I but like my internal reaction was like, "Bro." Like, you're like, why are you coming at me like this? And then I remembered, I'm like, oh, yeah, you told him, like, you can definitely mm -hmm. come at me. I'm not going to be bothered, whatever it is. Um, and so he's been he's been so great because he does have the air of authority. And also, you know, I'm the it. I, it is not anyone's show, but I think I am. I don't know if the words antagonist or protagonist or whatever it is. I'm the person that most people you know, are, you know, angriest with, I'm not sure what the word is. You're the wordsmith, not me. Um, and so having someone on there, the audience, you're, you're I the think really, you're the show's lightning rod is what I would say. Okay, sure. There you go. Um, having someone on there that for the audience is constantly, not always, but constantly like, no, you're wrong. No, this, you know what I mean? People love it. Um, even though if right when he started doing it, I was like, why are you, why are you being so mean to me? <laughs> well, you're getting at something because I've been interested in this. I've never been on a show. I've never been on a show like that show, but you guys need to be combative and fight each other in a way, but you're doing it in public. And if somebody loses, it can be embarrassing. So, I mean, what what is that like? What is that like to have to well, manage those sorts of emotions? That's where well, first of all, that's where um that's where Wilds can be the most important person in that if he feels like, oh, because he's rarely engaged in like me and Brew will like one-on-one -on -one argue, me and or you brew and coach or me and coach. Yeah. Wilds rarely does that occasionally, but rarely. If he feels like, oh. This may be like someone is actually a little bothered in the moment. He can always cut it with a joke or something or whatever it is. Or if he knows no one's really bothered, but thinks one person has just been annihilated in the argument, he will just say it. He'll turn yeah. like if he thinks Brew just crushed me, he'll turn to me at the end of the segment on the air. Be like, Phew. That was a 10-8 round for you, buddy. He's like, he just like, and so. He, uh, he, okay, he did that when Purdy was riding higher. He did that after a Purdy debate between you guys. Yes. Where he went, you know, okay, we got to move on. You had a good fight. You had a good fight there, buddy. And it occurred to me, I, I just never see that happen where somebody says something like that because people no, are sensitive. No, and it pissed me off. It, it did <laughs> piss me off, but I had enough awareness to know, like, A, it was good TV, and B, the thing that I have to remind myself of, not all the time, but occasionally, is how obnoxious I can be when I have someone dead to rights or have won an argument and not get upset when it's given back to me because I, mm. there is a level of like, and w wild reads it correctly. He can tell when I'm like truly annoyed, but the reality is I probably shouldn't really ever get truly annoyed because it's not like I'm understated when I'm proven right on things. I'm dropping banners. I'm bringing in, you know, people we call the Royal trumpeteers. I'm doing yes. a lot of silly in your face shit. And so 
you know, on the rarest of occasions when I get one wrong, I've got to be able to take it. Yeah. Well, I wonder, I feel like you wouldn't be pissed. I could argue vigorously with you and you wouldn't be pissed off with me, but I feel like I would probably piss you off. Like there, there's a territory I would go that would piss you off. Like if we were arguing Purdy and I said, you don't really believe that. I feel Correct. like that would piss you off. No, that would, no. So like I, I cannot stand being misquoted. Mm. And I actually like, this was something that pretty early on, I just, I, and I don't think it was ever intentional, but I, I just, I was like, guys, listen, I, I, there are a lot of things I say that I know I'm stepping far out onto a branch and some of those snap and I've got to, you know, own up to it. I've got to eat it. I've got to deal with it. And I'm totally prepared and equipped for that. What I can't do is all of a sudden be responsible for branches I didn't step onto. And so like I, and the, it basically, it, it never happens intentionally. And if it happens unintentionally, I correctly, uh, I quickly correct it. And yes, yeah. Like none of my, none of the people I work with would say, uh, you don't really believe that I, what I will say is like, I, I, I don't know how often, maybe, call it more than once a month, less three times every two months, something like that. One to two times a month. Someone who sees like someone who recognizes me, what they will say is along the lines of, I just got to ask you, you don't really believe that shit you say, do you? And Mm. I get, I get pissed. (laughs) I like, I, uh, I, the, it is such an odd, like, rejoinder or not even rejoinder, but it's such an odd way to like talk to someone you've never met before. And I am, you know, I love when people are like, I watch the show. I like the, I think it is so such a crazy thing that people are like, you know, you want to take a selfie, those things like I, that will, I would love to think never, ever get old. And I love it. But if, if you walk up to me and you say something along those lines, it is a very terse interaction. I'm like, I do. And like that, like, I don't, that you are, you nailed that, Ethan, that that really does, that presses on something like dishonorable to me almost mm. that I really, really don't like. Yeah. I mean, that would piss me off as well. Uh, it is, you mentioned the trumpeters. Uh, you have the trumpeters for Trevor Lawrence. I don't know what yeah. the origins of uh, him, it was. I just kept calling him the prince who was promised because I don't even know where that like comes from in sci-fi or something. I think it's some some well, you know one of those shows or whatever. But yeah. he had a regal look to him, and I also was saying like he's the guy. This amazing, this guy who was the number one most promised prospect at every level and is delivering. And then Wilds had the idea. Like, well, again, I mean, this is a compliment fest, but where I will give Wild Son of credit is the trumpeters and the banners were both his idea that then I get credit for. He came up with those ideas, but I'm the one who uses them. And so for one of these times with Trevor, he was like, we should bring on like, you know, like regal royal trumpeteers. And then we just kept I where I am, where I have not missed yet is because we have to book those guys like almost a full week in advance. And so I've just like called my shot and haven't been wrong yet. Most recently, I told him before the Jags played the Bills, I was like, we got to book the Trumpeteers. And the guy who produces our show, I think he was a little like, he didn't say, I shouldn't say that. He was fully supportive. But I think in his head, I think he wondered like, is this going to be a way? I don't know how much those guys cost, but a waste of money. Like when the Jags don't win, I was like, they're going to win. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so like that's, that's, I, it, but if you go to Trevor Lawrence's football reference page, his only nickname listed is the Prince who was promised. And I'm very, very well, proud of that. He looks like the bad guy Prince from Shrek. That's the one mental association I've got there. Is it that is Lord Farquaad? No, I, I think the Shrek 2 is the one I'm thinking oh, okay. about. The younger, the younger guy. Because um, people I, say I, I look like Lord Farquaad. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't even know who that is, but I hear I don't that. see that. Yeah. I don't see that one. I don't see that one as much. Um, yeah, I bring it up because it is interesting how much quarterback assessment powers the show. And with yeah. you, I it almost becomes a secondary character in the show, your preferences. Um, you specifically, but everybody's. That you are, let's see, I've written down my list of sure. you know, pro versus the conventional wisdom um, or anti versus the conventional wisdom. Yeah. Pro, the aforementioned Trevor Lawrence, uh, yeah. Dak, uh, Lamar yeah. Jackson. Uh, I believe Baker Mayfield would be in there. Baker. For sure. Um, Lamar, I would say I'm right around like country median or at least yeah. I, I'm brew is far more pro Lamar than me. So maybe my pro gets gets kind of covered up by his. But go ahead. Yeah. And I think anti obviously the aforementioned Brock Purdy, Josh yep. Allen yep. Um, and maybe Justin Herbert might be trending in that direction. I don't. Uh, we will see. Yeah, we'll see. I think or, or listen. I last year the speak, which is a show on after ours, was doing a huge thing on Herbert versus Tua because Joy Taylor and Acho were both very, very pro Tua. And I said, you know, I said on the air and to them on social media, I was like, you guys are nuts. Like I, the idea that you're arguing Tua could be better than Herbert, I think you guys are crazy. So at that point in time, I think I was probably at least as pro or more pro than the national average on Herbert, especially because people would kill him on the quarterback wins stuff, and I'm not a quarterback wins guy. But I I think Herbert's like the, you know, the seventh best quarterback in football, something or the eighth best, ninth best, something like that. I think um so I don't know where that lands. I think that yeah. there is an element of here's I, I said this on the show today. I said he's got a little bit of a Carl Anthony Towns factor for me. Mm. which is came into the league and was awesome but for a rookie, but was also even not by a rookie standard, just really good immediately and objectively is still really good, but you expected a growth trajectory that you have not hit yet. You know what I mean? Like uh, to me, yeah. he, uh, Herbert is about, he was an A minus B plus guy, his first game of his career almost, and he's still about the same. But go ahead. That's yeah. probably not what you No, want. I think that's a good I think that's a good analogy. I, I I bring it up because I'm I'm looking for is there a through line to your assessment? You know how uh, a type of quarterback will be a coach's kind of quarterback. This is his sure. kind of guy. You know, I like this profile of player because it's interesting to me. I mean, I agree with a lot of your um Josh Allen pushback, for instance, that he can be reckless, that we can fall in love with the tools. I was in total agreement with you when you mentioned the most spectacular play he made uh, last Sunday night, also being a poor decision and indicative of what gets him in trouble. But then that yeah. is also one of the reasons beyond my rampant Bay Area homerism why I enjoy a Brock Purdy. So I'm wondering... Sure. What are you looking for? Is there any pattern well, at all so to it, or is it all I case do, by case? No, so I, 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 I think the pattern probably is, like, I do believe in pedigree. Like, I hmm. do believe in, were you a rival's five-star? How good were you in college? I do believe in that, not in all cases, but I think that is an important baseline. And so, like, I, Trevor, to me, is, is a no-doubter. And his rookie year didn't shake my confidence at all. Um, I feel Caleb Williams is already one of the six best quarterbacks alive. Not will be, but already is. I believe that. Um, but what I think the through line is, I don't like when I think guys are being misevaluated by my colleagues. So, like, mm. Baker doesn't check a lot of the boxes, size, you know what I mean, high school pedigree, those things, that a lot of the quarterbacks I like are. But I thought Baker was treated, was discussed like he was not even a starter. And I think he's fine. So I, that, I became a pro Baker Mayfield guy less because I thought he was a star and more because – I thought he was good-ish, and he was being thrown. You know what I mean? Thrown by the wayside. 
Josh Allen is the opposite of that. Josh Allen, by any objective measure, is one of the six best quarterbacks in football. But he was, we were, what really killed me on the Josh Allen thing was, people were like, oh, Allen Mahomes, it's going to be the new Brady Montana. And it drove me fucking crazy because Brady Montana was, Brady had the, the wins and the rings, Montana had the stats and the MVP. Wait, are you talking about Brady Montana or uh, Brady Manning? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I mean Brady Manning. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah that's well, that a bit great of context correction. helped me right there. Yeah. Yes, sorry about that. So, yes, my yeah, there's just I misspoke. So people were saying Mahomes Allen was the new Brady Manning, and it drove me crazy because everyone understood that Manning had the numbers, the stats, and the MVPs. Brady was the clutch winner with the rings. In Mahomes, Allen, Mahomes is both of them. Like, Mahomes has the rings. Mahomes beats him in the playoffs. Mahomes has the MVPs. Josh Allen has none of of those things. So I just, it's not that I ever thought Josh Allen was bad. Well, no, that's not fair. When he came into the league, I thought he was bad. I thought it was a bad pick. I thought those things. And he proved me wrong on that. That's one of those times where pedigree you know what I mean? The, this guy yeah. went to Wyoming and was not great at Wyoming. That's where the pedigree thing really kind of, you know, led me astray. But then he objectively was really good. But I I thought he was he was uh, uh, put in a place that he had not earned. And so I think that's really on quarterbacks. My through line is, are they being properly discussed? And that's, to bring it back to the Purdy thing, that... Here's what kills me about the Purdy thing, if we can have that discussion for a moment. Let's do it. Let's do All it. Right. A year ago, Jimmy G was a topic of discussion. The quarterback wins thing, right? It was how much is the Niners' success? Because when he's hurt, they stink. When he plays, they're good. Greetings, freeloaders. I actually don't feel too accusatory about it. That's just something Michael Moynihan does. It seems like a good way to tell people that the free part one portion of the podcast is over. And if you would like to listen to me vigorously defend Brock Purdy's honor against skilled rhetorician Nick Wright, you will have to subscribe upscale to being a paid subscriber. Uh, I tend to do two articles, two podcasts a week in health and I believe it's worth it because there's stuff in there that nobody else in sports media is talking about. So, subscribe today. Thank you so much.